0: 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, I'll read from the New International Version for this verse. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious Blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So, this morning I want to talk to you about the precious blood of Christ. And Peter describes Christ's blood as precious. If something is precious, it's valuable. Think of the difference between a precious stone and an ordinary stone. A precious stone would be a gem a ruby, an emerald, a diamond. Uh, The other is just a pebble. I mean, how many of you men, when you got married, gave your wife a ring that had a pebble? Here you go, just just limestone. No, no. In 2017, an 18-carat emerald... That once belonged to Abby Rockefeller, she was the wife of John D. Rockefeller Jr. in America, an 18-carat emerald that belonged to the Rockefeller family sold at auction for $5.5 million. So, in other words, with a stone about that big, I guess, I'm not sure, that big, we could buy Nagarjan. <laughs> Meanwhile, Common rocks are found anywhere. If I said to you, everybody leave the sanctuary and go find a rock and then come back and sit down. Well, you could be back, you know, most of you could be back in 20 minutes. If I said go find a ruby, we would never see you again. (laughs) Amen. Praise the Lord. The Greek word translated precious in this verse is timios, timios. And one root meaning of that word, actually, you know, the the basic word, one meaning is money. You know, throughout history, silver and gold have been used as money, really from the beginning. Abraham, the Bible tells me, Abraham paid 400 shekels of silver to buy a plot of land to bury his wife Sarah when she died. And that was in Genesis 23, 15, you see. Even then they were using silver. Uh, anybody here have rupees? Well, the, the word rupee comes from Sanskrit, "rupya," which means made of silver. But today it's not made of silver, it's made out of paper. Paper money is actually a more recent, relatively speaking, a more recent idea. Paper money was not not widely used until the 17th century in Europe. And by the way, while we're on the subject, originally banknotes were a receipt that equaled a deposit of gold held in reserve. But today it's just issued by fiat. It has no inherent value whatsoever. It's just a piece of paper. You know why it's worth something? Because you all believe in it. If you stop believing it, it won't be worth anything. Hmm? Praise the Lord. But the blood of Jesus, I said, the blood of Jesus is more valuable than all the money in the world, you see. And Peter reminds us that gold is perishable. Actually, actually, gold is one of the most stable elements on earth, it won't rust. It won't tarnish, and it doesn't degrade over time. If you were to find a gold coin from the 5th century, it would look pretty much like a gold coin from yesterday. Gold doesn't change very much. But nothing in this world is going to last forever. See? In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, in the New King James Version, Peter tells us when the Lord returns... The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. So I'm not jealous. I said, "I'm not jealous. If your house is bigger than mine, huh? If your car is bigger than mine, I'm not jealous, because one day it's all going to be burned up. So that just means you'll have a bigger pile of ashes than me. Whoop-dee-Doo. hallelujah, everything will eventually pass away, but the blood of Jesus will remain, and it will never be devalued. It will never lose its power. 10,000 years from now, it will be just as precious as it is today. Can somebody say amen to that? Nothing can equal it, and nothing can take its place. Now, when we're talking about the blood is precious, things that are valuable, it often takes, especially in certain areas, it often takes an expert to properly appraise things, to understand and evaluate the true worth of something. For example, in the year 2015, a Jackson Pollock painting entitled... Number 17A was sold at auction. In fact, let's show that picture now on the screen. There it is. Uh, what was the year? 2015. That painting sold. You want to take a stab at how much money it cost? Well, I'll help you out. We don't have a lot of time. $200 million. I wouldn't give $2. I don't know about you. <laughs> that, that painting sold for two. I think I could paint that. I think my children could paint that. <laughs> But somebody decided that's worth a lot of money. That wasn't from Covenant Kids. That's hanging in a museum somewhere. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. But, you know, to those who are perishing, the blood of Jesus has no value to them. For religious people, for some religious people, it only has sentimental value. They get a little tear in their eye, not because of what God's done, but because they're just remembering when they're a little boy, you know, in the village. And That's not why we're here today. God knows, listen to me, God knows that the blood of Jesus is worth more than all of his creation. In fact, the Bible tells me in Colossians chapter 1, 16, that all things were created through him and for him. And it's his blood that we're talking about right now. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Think about it. Not only did he create you, you were created for him. You weren't even created for yourself. You were created for him. So, you know, serving God, you're not kind of doing God a favor. You're just doing the right thing. That's all you're doing. You're doing the right thing. Hallelujah. Why? Why is Jesus' blood precious for us? Well, back in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18, our text, that verse gives us a key. A key to understanding this in the word redeemed. Redeemed, you see. To redeem means to release on receipt of payment. To release something or someone on receipt of payment. To set free by paying a price or to ransom. The blood of Jesus was the price that was paid to set us free. That's it. The blood of Jesus was the price that was paid to set us free. Now, if I went across the street and visited one of the shops when they're open, they probably will not accept U.S. dollars from me in exchange for the goods that they offer. Because... That's not recognized as legal tender in this nation. In the same way, God does not accept good works in exchange for your soul. You cannot be ransomed. With religious rituals, you can light a thousand candles. You can burn, you know, a a ton of incense. That's not going to even make a dent in the situation. No man will be released from the bonds of iniquity by earthly treasure because the kingdom of heaven only accepts blood. I said the kingdom of heaven only accepts blood blood. In Hebrews nine twenty two we read, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. You know, some, te- some people, uh, they like to talk about and sing about Jesus, but they don't like to talk about the blood. Friend, if you forget the blood, you can also forget the power. Amen? But why Why does God require blood? Again, notice Peter said this, that Jesus' blood is like that of a lamb, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You see, what he's doing, he's really comparing Calvary's cross to the altar in the tabernacle, the tabernacle of Moses or the temple. Under the law... The Israelites were commanded to offer animal sacrifices for their sin. I'm sure you know that. Let me refer you to another scripture. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. Leviticus 17, 11, It says this, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement For your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. It is the blood that makes atonement by the life. To atone, to atone means this to make amends for wrongdoing, to make amends. It also means to offer compensation. For loss, or to pay reparations for injury. So if a burglar breaks into a house and steals the valuables, if he's apprehended, the judge will likely require him to pay for what was taken and to make a recompense For any damages. Okay, you stole these things, you're gonna have to pay to have them replaced, and then you broke some windows, you're gonna have to pay to take care of that. That's making an atone. That's atoning for his wrongdoing. The blood sacrifices in the Old Testament temporarily, and I emphasize that and I'll explain later, the blood sacrifices of the Old Testament temporarily satisfied God's justice. It was really, in essence, like paying a fine, it settled the matter. And the blood of those sacrifices, to a certain extent, the blood of those sacrifices, to a certain extent, restored and reconciled people to God. The God's Word translation of Leviticus 17.11 says this, blood is needed to make peace with me. You know, sometimes you hear people say, like, uh, you know, well, you know, I just decided to get on my knees and pray and make my peace with God. And they think that they sort of talk God into the notion of being their friend. Blood, God said, blood is needed to make peace with me. Yeah. Don't come to me without blood. Woo! And, and, and consider, again, that word atonement, which is not a common word. Outside the church, we don't use it very often. But let's break it down. Atonement. At. A-T-O-N-E. At one meant, At one. To become one. To become united with God. That's what it means. But let me read to you another translation. The contemporary English version says this. Life is in the blood. And I have given you the blood of animals to sacrifice in place of your own. I have given you the blood of animals to sacrifice in place of your own. So, why would blood make things right? Why would blood make an amends? Why would blood satisfy God's sense of violated justice? Because life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. You know, blood is vital, absolutely vital for all human beings and most animals, certainly most mammals, you see. You can live without an eye. We've known people like that. You can live without a limb, you know, a a finger, a, a, a leg. You can even live without some organs like gallbladder. Some people make a handy living to removing gallbladders. You can you can live with even your thyroid gland. You know, you can live without some things, but you cannot. You will not survive without blood. Because it's blood that circulates oxygen and nutrients to every cell in your body. Isn't that interesting? Your blood circulates to every cell in your body. Isn't that amazing? And blood not not only does that, blood removes waste products. I'm talking about your own human body. And it fights infection and regulates the temperature of the body. Now, just as we cannot live naturally without blood, We cannot have eternal life without the blood of Jesus. It cannot happen, you see. And notice Peter says we were redeemed, not with gold, but we were redeemed with the precious blood. Redeemed from what? He says this, from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Redeemed from what? The empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Without the blood of Jesus, life is meaningless. Life is empty. It's the blood that gives meaning and purpose to our existence. Can you say amen? Amen. And when you're redeemed by the blood of Jesus, you don't live by tradition. Oh, hello, folks. You don't live by traditions handed down from your fathers. You live by truth revealed to you by God. You can celebrate Tulani, Aloshea, that's fine. You, you can have traditions and customs. I, that, that, that's, that don't, we don't care about that. You can have japati or rice or where, sorry, nobody cares about that. But when it contradicts the word of God, oh, sorry, I'm following truth, not tradition. You, when you're redeemed by the blood of Jesus, you don't have a dead religion. You have a living relationship. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. When we ask you, do you know the Lord, and you give us your religious resume, well, my mother was the first woman's leader, my father was the first theological. we know you don't know God. Because if you know him, the answer is yes. (laughs) Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Likewise, it's Christ's blood that removes the impurities of from our spirit. Not only at the moment of our conversion, of course, yes, but even throughout the Christian life. Did you know that? Yes, yes. In First John chapter 1, verse 7, the Passion translation says this, the blood of Jesus, His Son, continually, notice that, the blood of Jesus, His Son, continually, you mean Once, way back, you know, in that little Baptist church in 1980. No, even now, continually cleanses us from all sin. Folks, don't mean to be confrontational, but let me just be frank with you. Personally, I'm not so concerned about hand sanitizer. I am very concerned about heart sanitizer. Come on, some people have a little bottle of hand sanitizer in their car. You know, if somebody waves at them, they put the hand sanitizer. You know, maybe I'll get it from waving. I think some people drink that stuff. I mean, they they got it everywhere. But what about heart sanitizer? You're concerned about getting a germ. i tell you, there's something you need to be more concerned about, and that's having your heart tainted with impurities and defilement in this rotten world. But the blood of Jesus is heart sanitizer. Glory to God. And the blood, the blood of Christ stands against forces that would infect your life and rob you of peace and vitality. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 13, it says this. God said to the Israelites, And when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you. Notice he didn't say, when I see your dress. <laughs> uh, when I see your hairdo. Huh? When I see your diploma. He said, when I see the blood. What's God looking for? He's not looking for style. He's looking for blood. Oh, yeah. The blood. Now think about this. If the Israelites who are a type and a picture of God's people today, if the Israelites were protected from an epidemic in Egypt, that's what it was, if they were protected from an epidemic by the blood of an animal, what about us today? Can we not be protected by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ? Is anybody listening to what I'm saying right now? When I see the blood when I see the blood, I'll not allow the destroyer to come into your house. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That means there's healing and there's health in the blood of Jesus. You know, the blood in our bodies is an extremely complex compound. That's why... It can't be manufactured in a laboratory. I mean, people try to do this and that, but you, so far nobody can reproduce blood apart from a human being. You can't go to the to the, to the, soup, the mall or something and say, uh, uh, let me just buy some blood, I'll put it in my purse. No, 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 it, it, it's organic, you know, it can't be reduplicated. And a person, it's so complex, it tells us so many things. A person can be identified by his blood. Not only by the blood type, of course, but even his DNA. They, they, you leave a drop of blood at the crime scene and maybe they know who you are. Maybe not in Oglam but in other places they know who you are. <laughs> they know who you are. And not only DNA, even other factors, they can trace you down. They know who you are because of your blood. We have a new identity because of the blood of Christ. I'll tell you who we are. We're not just, you know, Indians and Nagas and Americans and Nepalis and so forth and so on. We are blood-bought, blood-washed, blood-covenant people of God. Whew. Ephesians 2.13 says this, we who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Ooh. God is your father because of blood. I said he's your fa-. he's not your stepfather. He's not your pretend father. He's your father because of blood. Ooh. Ooh. There are blood ties between us and heaven. We are connected by blood. Glory to God. You know the saying, the saying is blood is thicker than water, right? That means there's some things you would do and have to do for your family that maybe you wouldn't do just for other people. Well, we are family today. We are in the family of God and the blood of Jesus is what binds us together. And there's some things that God will do for you that he will not do for other people because of the blood glory we'll to God. Now Mark Hankins, our dear friend Mark Hankins, if you're watching, hi, he's probably not watching. Mark Hankins, in his book, The Bloodline of a Champion, and I recommend it, he tells about a time that he visited uh, the U.S. state of Kentucky. And that's called horse country, you know, because in Kentucky, there are prize racehorses horses that are bred and raised and trained, racehorses. I'm not into racehorsing, but you know what I'm saying. In fact, I I noticed last night that Business Insider Magazine said this, depending on the stallion, that's the, the male horse, depending on the stallion, horse semen, forgive me, horse semen is the most expensive liquid on the planet. You know, more expensive than, you know, I don't know, a whole lot of bottled water. Oh, more expensive than anything. You know, how about, a, how about a, a cup of liquid gold? No, this is more expensive. Why? Because they're raising up champion horses, you see. And when they, 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 will, they will take a horse and they will analyze the lineage of that horse. They'll trace his family background. And they'll see, you know, he, you know, he was born of this foal and this stallion and so forth and so on. And, and if they see winners and champions in the ancestry of that horse, that horse seed will sell for millions of dollars. So if you want a bucket of horse seed, it may cost you $14 million. But I've got good news for you. First Peter chapter 1 And verse 23 says this, we have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. See, you're not just like a Christian convert. We have been born of God. You have God's DNA. Glory to God. There's victory running through our veins because we are in the bloodline of a champion. The blood of Jesus transforms frustrated losers into victorious champions. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. We're talking about the blood. The blood is precious. Again, Leviticus 17.11 says it's the blood that makes atonement by the life. It's the blood that makes atonement. Now, when my father passed away a few years ago, my mother had to provide, she had to provide an official death certificate to the insurance company because my father had a life insurance policy. And the insurance company would not pay out the claim without proof of his death. See, how do we know he's not on vacation somewhere? How do we know that you know, he's not in hiding? Well, she produced the certificate to prove, no, he's, he's no longer with us. Now, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest sprinkled blood on the mercy seat in the innermost compartment of the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies. Why? Death Proved, sorry, blood, I should say, proved that a death had occurred. When God saw the sprinkled blood, he knew that a death has occurred. And God would not pay out, if you will, God would not pay out the promised blessings until he saw the blood. And that's why blood is required. Again, the CEV version says this, I have given you the blood of animals to sacrifice in place of your own, meaning in place of your own blood. See, God actually required their blood. God actually required their blood. But he allowed a substitute to die on their behalf. So we see that in the Old Testament, it's a, it's a principle that the innocent would take the place of the guilty. In fact, the whole gospel of Christ is based on the principle of substitution, that Jesus took your place, and God accepted his blood as payment for you, to set you free. Praise the Lord. That's why. That's why. Now, we're going to change gears a little bit. Let's go a slightly different direction. I want to read you another scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. It says this. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break... Is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Today, in this service, we are celebrating the Lord's Supper that he instituted in that upper room the same night he was betrayed. And it's interesting that Paul calls this the cup of blessing. Isn't it interesting? The cup of blessing. And that's because every blessing that heaven has to give is in that cup. Every blessing that heaven has to give is in that cup. What I really mean by that is it's all because of the blood of Jesus. So apart, you must know this, my friend, apart from the blood, God can do nothing for you. See, some people are trying to come to God another way. Some people are trying to uh, 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 receive the favor of God another way. Some people are trying to, uh, to be redeemed, ransomed another way. No, no, no. Only by the blood of Jesus. That's the only way we can come to God. That's the only way we can receive from Him. So we need to talk about the blood. We need to understand the blood. Amen? Now, Even though Jesus' blood has been poured out for us, we have to accept it for it to have any effect on our lives. I mean, Jesus shed his blood for the entire world, but the entire world is not saved. They have to believe that. They have to receive it. The Israelites had to apply the blood to the doorposts of their house. The high priest had to sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. We have to exercise faith in the blood. That's what we must do. We must exercise faith in the blood. Now, this morning, drinking a little cup of juice will not change your life. That's not it. But symbolically, it is symbolic, my friend, symbolically, we are showing that we are partakers of his blood. That's why. Now, the blood of the Old Testament was applied to their houses during the Passover. And then it was applied to the house of God in the tabernacle and in the temple. But the blood of Jesus is applied to our hearts And that's why today we drink that juice to symbolically show that blood affects us on the inside. We receive it. We take it, you see. Amen. Let me read to you in Hebrews 9, 13, but I'll I'll read another translation again, back to the CEV, Contemporary English Version. According to the law of Moses, those people who become unclean are not fit to worship God yet they will be considered clean if they are sprinkled with the blood of goats and bulls and with the ashes of a sacrificed calf so by the sacrifices under the law the sacrifices of the substitutionary animals the israelites were considered clean and God accepted them And it's interesting, God would not accept their worship unless they were cleansed. God would not accept their worship unless they were ceremonially cleansed. So when my son, uh, little John, for example, when he was a little fellow... Uh, we named him Little John. We, we, we didn't know that one day he would be six foot five, but uh, anyways, <laughs> we, we still call him that. But when he was a little fellow, he would go outside, you know, he was raised in Demapur. He would go outside, and he would play and frolic, energetic little fellow. And so then when he's done, he wants to come in the house, but he's covered in grime, dirt and mud, you know, like that. And I would some, sometimes stand at the door and say, whoa, 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 whoa. I'd stop him. I'd block him. You can't come in here like that. Well, this is my house, and you can't come in here like that. Well, yeah, but I belong here. No, no, you can't come in here like that. And then I would take a big water pipe, and I would hose him down right there in the compound. Right? I didn't reject him. I rejected the dirt. Hallelujah. If you want fellowship with the Father, you must be continually cleansed by the blood of Jesus. You cannot come into the presence of God with sin in your life. First you must come, praise the Lord, and be washed again. Glory to God. Renewed your fellowship, and then God will accept your worship. Amen. That's true. Let me read Hebrews 9.14, but these verses are sometimes a little uh, wordy. They're a little complicated. So let me read to you the ICB. ICB stands for International Children's Bible. So just pretend you're a child. (laughs) ICB says this. How much more is done by the blood of Christ? He offered himself through the eternal spirit as a perfect sacrifice to God. His blood will make our hearts clean from useless acts, or in other words, dead works or sin. We are made pure so that we may serve the living God. See, the blood of bulls and goats, they covered the sins of the Israelites. I told you it made amends. It was like paying a fine. In fact, the Hebrew word translated atonement means to cover, to cover over. But the blood of Jesus does not cover over our sin. The blood of Jesus removes sin. It washes us from sin. Now, see, if I spilled something on my shirt here, spilled it, maybe, you know, something else, there, there, there would be a stain on my shirt, you see? And everybody, you know, if you have a big red stain here, everybody sees that. You could see it from the other side of the room. And everybody that would saw you would say, what's that? You know how people are. And uh, so so I'm embarrassed by this big stain on my shirt. So I could take a patch of cloth and cover over that stain. So now... You guys don't see it, right? Nobody sees it. But that's an imperfect solution. The stain is still there. I know it's still there. If you look closely, you realize that something's wrong here. And as that patch begins to, you know, uh, pull away from the cloth, uh, the, the stain becomes more and more exposed. But I could do something else. I could take that shirt and I could drop it in a bucket of soapy water. And now... The stain is removed. The stain is dissolved. The stain is not there anymore. See, God's not pretending that you're forgiven. He's not saying, okay, because you're a Christian, what I'll do is I'll just pretend that uh, you never sinned. I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just pretend. I'll just close my eyes a little bit. And uh, we all know that you did. But I'll just. See, that's how people forgive. That's not how God forgives. People say, oh, I forgive you, brother. I definitely forgive you. And next time you see him, you go, that's that guy. (laughs) That's not how God forgives us. The sin has been removed. See, I can reach my hand in the bucket and pull out the shirt. But I can't reach my other hand in the bucket and pull out the stain. Here's the stain. It's gone. It's dissolved. It's obliterated. It's wiped out. God has washed you clean from sin. He looks at you. He doesn't see any sin because it's not there anymore. Come on, that's a good place to shout. Even a Presbyterian could shout on that one. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Even a Baptist could rejoice on that one. Hallelujah. Yeah. Glory to God. Glory to God. If God accepted the Israelites because of the blood of bulls and goats, blood that could never take away sins, if he accepted them, if they had certain rights and privileges, and it's amazing to see the miracles God performed for them, what will the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the blood of the Son of God, what will that do for you? Certainly, it does much, much more. The blood of the old covenant was sprinkled in the house of God. The blood of the new covenant makes you the house of God. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Shh. Hallelujah. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's living on the inside of you. Glory to God. God is not just out there. He's living in you. Praise the Lord. Let me read this scripture again. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 again says, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? So notice that word participation. It's not enough to admire and appreciate the blood of Christ. It's not enough to be an agreeable spectator. Some people are. I guess people sometimes just want to check it out, see what's going on. But, but really, you know, it's, it, it's, God's not that's not enough just to kind of like sort of just watch the show. No, 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 no. We have to be participants. We have to be participants. Now, to be clear, I'm not suggesting that eating a little piece of a wafer, a little piece of bread, or drinking juice, you know, does something for you. But what I am saying is this, symbolically, symbolically, We are showing our faith in the cross. We're showing our faith in the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And we are proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why do we drink it in? Because we're partakers. Why do we eat it? Because we are partakers. And the Greek word for participant is koinonia, And it means to share in common. It means fellowship. It is faith in the blood that gives us fellowship with God and nothing else. It's faith in the blood. That's why we call this communion. We're going to be communing with God's spirit in just a moment. By these emblems which symbolize to us what Jesus did for us. And by our participation, we're telling everybody, I've been redeemed, not with silver or gold, not with good works or religion, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And if we're redeemed, my friend, we're not just free, we are purchased. We belong to him. Oh, I don't want to belong to anybody. If you don't belong to Jesus, you definitely belong to the devil. So you better think carefully. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Glory to God. If we want to experience the presence of God, we need to exercise faith in the blood. Let me ask you a question. And you have to understand that I share things sometimes more than once. You know, people come and people go and not everybody hears the same thing. We have to repeat some things. But do you believe that God could speak to you through a cassette tape recording? The young people don't know what a cassette tape is. You know, long ago, we didn't have CDs. We had these little cassette tape recorders. Do you believe that God could speak to you through a cassette tape? You know, many years ago, uh, my wife and I had dinner with a man, a brother uh, in America. And as we were leaving, he suddenly pulls out a carton full of cassette tapes. Just a, a sundry assortment of different cassette tapes, and he says, uh, I, "I want you to have these." And I thought maybe you can, you know, use them in Nagaland. Well, see, we're limited in what we can carry on the on the airline. You know, they don't. We can't just bring in, you know, like our furniture. You know, we, we only, you know, we want. Well, there's certain things we can carry, and so you know, I didn't really need his cassette tapes. I'm thinking more like clothing for me. I can't buy clothes here. And um, they don't make my size. And um, so uh, I begrudgingly said, oh, thank you, brother. But I'm thinking, I don't really need this. So as I was packing my suitcase, just to be nice, I guess, I just stuck my hand in the carton, grabbed a, a handful of tapes, and I threw it in my, in my bag. One time I was walking around Dimapur, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, the father, one of our church members, he drove up in his vehicle and he said to me, what happened? I said, I'm walking. And he says, okay, hop in. I'll take you. I said, no, no, I'm walking. I'm walking. He said, okay, where are you going? I'll take you there. What happened to your car? I said, no, no, I want to walk. I'm exercising. He looked at me like I was crazy. Anyways, so uh, uh, I'm going for a walk. And these are, this is a long time ago. This is in the 90s. We had a, a, a Walkman, you know. We didn't have MP3 players. We had a Walkman. So I grabbed one of those cassettes, and I put it in a little, little cassette player and put on my headphones. You weren't even born then. Put it, put it, put, put it on the headphones. And it, it was just a, one I grabbed, you know. And it was actually a cassette tape of Benny Hinn, and he was teaching about something. And so I'm just walking, listening, just, just something to listen to. It's edifying. It's good, you know. And, uh, and then suddenly, in the middle of his preaching, he said, Pastor John, if you want to have the Holy Ghost... Talk about the blood. Man, I stopped dead in my tracks. I looked around. (laughs) He said, Pastor John. That's what he said. Pastor John, if you want the presence of God, talk about the blood of Jesus. I I suppose, you know, he's speaking somewhere and there's some pastor there named John. And he turned and said that to him in the crowd. But it was on the recording. But I took it as a word, a rhema word for me. And you know what? It's true. The glory follows the blood. I said, the glory follows the blood. If you want to have the manifested presence of God, make much of the blood, and the blood will make much of you. Let's lift up our hands and praise God right now and thank him for the blood of Jesus in this house today. Thank you, Father. We glorify your name.